We are sadly in mourning today. Not the bright, sunny, just awoken, full of the promise of what lies ahead type of mourning, where the sun glows golden and everything is new and bright and filled with the vigour of life. No, this is the blackest pitch, wailing into the night, racked by guilty memories and feelings of remorse and loneliness. The type of mourning that never ends. We shall always be in black. We shall never respond to life again. We shall dwell in a morbid fascination of the journey that awaits us after we leave this mortal coil into the loving embrace of the hereafter and the uncertainty that surrounds the town of Gallatry. But whilst we drown in our misery, perhaps the radio may provide some solace. Now is the time to tune into Gallatry FM. And today's question, who is the murderer? In everyday life, warnings are commonplace. High voltage, danger of death, keep out, or may contain nuts, or mind your head. The wind will change and you will be stuck like that. We all assess the risk accordingly, but what if you can't, but you don't know why? What if you have a nagging feeling there is something that you have forgotten? A threatening harbinger, an ominous portent that could be more than a warning. It could be a sign. And this sign is hand-scrawled and covered with perching, cawing crows and reads, Welcome to Gallatry, again. Well, thank you, Eustace. And now, breaking news. There has been a body found down near the old river mill. We go over there now and speak to Chief Anderson, who is on the scene. Hello, Chief. This sounds like a serious matter. The Chief looked on gravely. At 7am this morning, a member of the public discovered a body in the ditch over there by the side of the old mill. The victim is a child and we are trying to establish his identity as we speak. The chief pointed down to a small white body bag on the ground beside him dramatically, his eyes glinting in the reflected blue flashing lights from the assorted emergency vehicles parked nearby. The nature of this crime is shocking and horrific and I want to assure the public that we're doing everything we can in order to trace the culprit. We don't want to alarm people, but we should all be vigilant, as the murderer is still on the loose. We asked the Chief, do you have anything that we could warn our listeners to be on the lookout for? The Chief paused and whispered something into the ear of a smartly dressed colleague who nodded back at him. The chief continued, we're looking for a large person, a giant. The footprints we found at the scene were size 22. If you know someone with such feet, please contact us or a council transformer immediately. We will give you a regular update as soon as we learn more. Thank you. Well, thank you, chief. Down on the high street, it's very late at night, and a sudden wind blows swirls of litter up into the air. As the rubbish settles again on the pavement, a CCTV camera stares up the street toward the old toy shop. Its broken timbers rise up into the dark like the ribs of a wildebeest carcass, a distant memory of yesterday's kill. The camera doesn't blink or utter a word, as many small figures like ants appear under the streetlights leaving the toy shop. 
fanning out in many directions in single file. As the first moving column comes nearer and nearer to the camera, we can start to make out the ragtag band of toys walking jerkily but purposely along the street. As they start to file past under the camera, the leader of the column looks up. It's a female clown. Then we see china dolls, wooden monkeys and wooden elephants carved with flames for ears. Hundreds file past until the street is deserted once more. But Mr. Button is not likely to be buying gloves from there again. His hand was later amputated. Update on the Bigfoot murder. We again go over to Chief Anderson for his lunchtime case update. The Chief looked tired and stressed. Hello everyone. We have had a busy morning and there is a development into the murder inquiry that we have underway here. We have identified the victim. He is a 12-year-old male by the name of James Corbin. We cannot release any other detail at the moment, but will keep you informed of any developments as we get them. I'm sure we all feel for the Corbin family and his classmates at the City Middle School. Our thoughts are with them all. The chief then whispered to his smartly dressed colleague and angrily glanced at the gathered journalists, but continued. We don't find it very helpful that the press have been giving this criminal a nickname. It just adds to his notoriety of what he or she has done and may materially affect how the perpetrator behaves and what he or she will do next. If another murder happens, we pray that the press have not contributed to the situation. Thank you. We asked the chief whether he thought the fact that he himself had told us this morning to look out for a giant with size 22 feet may have let the cat out of the back, but he simply walked off. I wonder who the smartly dressed man that whispers to the chief is, and why has he come here? A night fox with three legs hops along a residential street, tracking along the garden wall, stopping and smelling the air every few yards or so. It stops, looks back over its shoulder. A line of toys are walking down the middle of the street, long shadows dancing along the tarmac. As they pass down the road, individual clowns, dolls, monkeys or elephants select a house and stand like a sentinel all facing forward. The leading she-clown stops and turns to one side. She then scampers quickly up the garden path, leaps up and clambers through the letterbox. All the other figures follow suit, each into their own house. The road is now empty. The fox, too, has also disappeared and gone about his night business. And the lilies not only smelt lovely, they really actually altered the entire mood at the recent florist convention. The delegates passed the final motion unanimously. Now, update. We now have an interesting and important update on the Bigfoot killer case. We go over to Jenny Jennings at the Gallatry Cemetery, who's going to give us a report on a strange recent event at the murdered Corbin boy's funeral. Hello, Jenny. What's happened down there? Well, the Corbin family conducted the son's funeral without any publicity this afternoon, but there was an incident witnessed after the burial had finished. This is likely to have a massive impact on the hunt for the Bigfoot murderer. We're here with the gravedigger, Mr. Fawcett, who witnessed something very strange after the funeral party had left. Hello, Mr. Fawcett. What did you see? Well, I was just tidying up after the poor dad's funeral, when everyone had gone. It was getting dark, about five o'clock, and I was coming out of my shed to collect my things together when I noticed someone at the boy's grave. At first, I thought it was just a lost straggler, so I approached the figure. As I got nearer, I realised that it was talking to the gravestone, which I thought was strange. 
He had his back to me and wasn't until I got within a few feet that I said, excuse me, can I help you? Then I got a fright of my life. The thing whipped around suddenly and I realised he was dressed up as a clown. Red wig, white face, red mouth, long nose, baggy trousers and huge feet. He looked completely surprised, growled something back at me that I didn't understand and then he ran off, galumphing into the darkness of the graveyard with a squeaky honk every now and then. When I got to the grave, the clown was long gone. I had a look at where he had been standing, and that's when I saw them. I was almost sick. I've seen many strange things in my time as a grave digger here in Gallatry, I can tell you. Saw what? he asked. There was a little human hand sitting on the earth of the freshly filled in grave, and well, an ear sitting on the top of the Corbin boy's gravestone. An ear? he asked. Yes, said Mr. Fawcett. It was the strangest thing. Why would you talk to a grave? Why would you talk to the ear? Thank you, Mr. Fawcett. Mr. Smith is late for work. He is dashing round the front room with a piece of toast in his mouth, looking for his car keys and shepherding his children towards the front door. The house is now empty. All is quiet. From under the sofa, a wooden clown emerges on all fours and looks around. She then walks into the kitchen and after a couple of minutes returns to the front room. The she-clown then climbs the stairs and walks along the landing, assessing each door one by one. She has selected a room and opens the door and goes inside. She then hides herself under the bed with the other toys, exactly where she wants to be, needs to be, to wait. To wait for night. To wait for the eldest child to go to sleep. Down in the kitchen, the fridge door looks different. The fridge magnets have been rearranged and spell out Subir e Unir D-I-E. There are hundreds like Mr. Smith in Gallatry. There are hundreds of fridges in Gallatry. There are hundreds of fridge magnets threatening you in the Gallatry night. And when they got the results back from the lab, they discovered the burgers had also been contaminated with wolf meat. Oh, that's just awful. Now, more on the Bigfoot murder update. We now go over to the police HQ to the impromptu emergency press conference conducted by Chief Anderson, who is standing on the steps with many journalists crowding round him and the smartly dressed man at his side. The chief raised his arms and began to speak. Thank you, thank you. Before I take any questions, I'd like to give you this prepared update on the Corbyn case. There was an immediate hush. The events this evening at the graveyard have raised key questions about the suspect in this case. We think that the killer returned to the graveyard this evening and left the, um, things at the Corbyn boy's grave. We have identified the hand and the ears those belonging to James Corbyn and also suspect that the clown witnessed at the scene is the one who removed the said things from the boy during the course of his untimely death. Well, we now know why the killer had such big feet, at least, he added. We didn't tell you about the mutilations until we had conducted a psychological profile of the suspect from what we knew at the time, with the help of Prentice here. The chief turned to the smartly dressed man to his right, who duly nodded. So let us review what we know and what we don't know in the case in light of the recent events. We strongly suspect the killer is the clown, as he left the Corbin body parts at the graveyard. We don't know the identity or the origin of the clown. 
We suspect the motive was of a sexual nature as we found evidence of a sexual attack as well as the mutilation of the boy's body. What evidence? A voice shouted from the shocked crowd. The chief paused, looked across at Prentice, who nodded. So the chief continued. We found the boy's buttocks smeared with white and red grease paint. It is as if it had been, well, brutally nosed. We believe that this was cause of death. The other bits were cut off skillfully after the death had occurred. The cuts were very neat. So we put out an APB for a big, scary clown with big feet and a big nose. We advised the public to approach with extreme caution. Are there any questions? Chief, so we're looking for a clown. What happens if the murderer takes off the clown's costume? Have we got any other evidence? Well, yes, we analysed the boy's hand and ear and tested it for fingerprints, but the only prints we found on the hand were that of the boy. So we drew a blank there, I'm afraid. Chief, why do you think the clown was talking to the grave? At this point, a smartly dressed man, Prentice, stepped forward and began to speak. There are only three things stopping us from finding this killer. Asking pointless questions, lack of carny vigilance, and asking pointless questions. Thank you. Prentice then bundled the chief back into the police HQ. Well, dear listeners, I'm sure the chief will get his man. Hundreds of eldest children are asleep in their beds in gallantry. Hundreds of children are listening to their toys' whispers in their ears as they drowse and turn restlessly in the bed. Hundreds of fridge magnets spell the message, Your parents burnt our creator, our father. Now, your children will burn you. Subir i unir. Now hundreds of children are awake and silently arise from bed and search for matches, lighters, petrol, fireworks. Now hundreds of fires are blazing in Gallatry, the smoke rising like many monoliths across the town. Hundreds of Mr. Smiths awake engulfed in smoke, choking, trying to gather their families together in panic as the flames lick their bare feet. Hundreds of Mr. Smiths run downstairs looking for their eldest and find them standing outside the house staring back at them, mouthing the words, Subir i unir, and I'm pointing a recusatory finger back at them. Hundreds of people are burning tonight in Gallatry. Update. The town is burning down. Get buckets. Get water. Get real. We need to keep calm, everyone, and stop the flames. But dear listeners, why has this happened in multiple locations across the town? Who would start all these angry fires and destroy their own houses, possessions, lives? We're now going over to the steps of the council offices for a press conference with the mayor, Miss Lorna X, who has an update on the mass immolation. Miss X is flanked by Chief Anderson and the smartly dressed man on her right shoulder. Miss X clears her throat and looks sternly at the throng of blackened, expectant faces. We have declared a state of emergency here in Gallatry. You voted for leadership and now it's time I let you have it. We, I, have a solution to this terror. I will stop the burning, dear voters. I will save you from this threat to our community, our hard-working values, our pioneering spirit. We must all be united in my dream of fighting this terror that has been meted on us by our own. The crowd gasps and look at each other with mistrustful glances uneasily. Everyone is thinking, could it be them? Could it be me? Smartly dressed man steps forward. 
encouraged by the manicured gesturing hand of the mayor. My name's Prentice. I've been working with the council on this terrible affair. I have a theory which I want to share with you. My trade, if you hadn't guessed already, is an astral criminal psychologist, and I think I know what we need to do here. I've seen this type of thing before, but we need to act now. We must all act together, or it just won't work. I ask for you, well, souls. Will you give me your souls? Crowd, a mixture of zombies, florists, journalists and civil servants, all look at each other blankly, nod, and they all agreed. The hundreds of blackened faces then turn back to the smiling Prentice Anderson and the Mayor. The Mayor speaks again. Good, we're all agreed. Let me save you from yourselves again. To the graveyard. A hundred lights bathe the graveyard in yellow artificial light, casting long shadows of the gravestones across the grass into the distance. Three taller shadows streak out from the rostrum behind a large white sheet covering an area of ground on which stands some kind of angular, complex, contorted shape. The crowd is silent and nervous. We can hear perceptible sound of sweaty hands. The mayor, Miss Lorna X, raises her arms and looks across the crowd before beckoning the smartly dressed man forward to speak. Prentice looks everyone in the eyes and slowly and deliberately walks round the rostrum. We found a CCTV tape. It shows thousands of toys marching from the old Canastra toy shop. We know the messages on the fridges that weren't burnt contained a phrase, Subir e Bunir, Portuguese mantra that was incorrectly added to the community dream that we all experienced but didn't know why. We found the dead boy's Corbin's ear and hand by the grave, left by the clown noser rapist, who we presume is the dead Canastra. We also have a sonic communication device graciously lent to us from the council. I believe that the Corbin boy's ear is shibboleth. The crowd is hushed, and you can hear the prickle of neck hairs in the breeze. Shibboleth requires a secret dialect only known to the speaker and listener for the message to be transmitted. So we propose this. Prentice then turned and snatched the large white sheet from behind it. A large arched looming speaker device with flashing lights is perched over a lowly gravestone with a tiny delicate ear sitting on the top. Like a huge vulture pecking at a pretzel, the contraption hummed into life when Prentice nodded to his assistant in a white bodysuit who pulled a large red knobbed lever. We will send another message to the dead Tory Court to stop the fire-starting child plague that's been terrorising this town. We will use the sonic mass communication device, on low volume obviously, and tell the evil toys to go back to hell. We will aim this sonic device at the shibboleth ear and transmit our message via the dead Corbin's boy to the toy underworld where Canastro and his evil prodigies dwell. What is this message, Prentice? we asked. Prentice looked directly at me, dear listener, and said, After much thought, we know now what to say. We will tell them... Eustace, and now moans from the bridge.
You have been listening to Gallatry, a community-funded local radio station. I'm Adam Aardvark. Max couldn't be around at the end of the show. He often needs to lie down in a darkened room and sort of, well, convalesce. If you enjoyed today's show and want to know more or simply express a simple and not very cogent opinion, then email us at welcometogallatry at gmail.com. You can tell us what you think, although we might already know what you think. Or failing that, if you genuinely have no idea, we can helpfully provide some new ideas that you can call your very own. Ideas that you can share with your friends and family and become a much more interesting and likeable person, if only to yourself. This has been a Gallatry Entertainment broadcast recorded in a haunted pub in Gallatry. No, honestly, voices appeared on the recordings that we later had to edit out. I think we got them all, but who's to know for sure? Anyway, Gallatry is performed by Max Black, written and recorded by Max Black and Adam Ardvark. Is copyright Gallatry Productions 2015. Thanks for listening. But remember, on your next journey home, Gallatry may be just around the corner. <laughs>